Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today, we are talking to Dr. Don St. John, author of the book, Healing the Wounds of Childhood, as this is one of the most important of all the subjects we could discuss. Very often, it is these wounds that keep us trapped, even as we're striving to get past them in some way. How do we grow into our full potential while these wounds remain yet unhealed? How do we increase our ability to receive and absorb love, enjoy more life-giving love connections? deal more effectively with stress, and improve our resilience and health, all while expanding our sense of who we are? These questions and more are going to be answered during today's show, so stay with us today. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Dr. Don St. John is a Ph.D. as a psychotherapist, somatic relational teacher, a coach, a public speaker, and an author. He's an authorized continuum movement teacher and a Heller Works structural integration practitioner and trainer. He's taught classes and given presentations in several states in the United States, Canada, New Zealand, and Brazil. As a psychotherapist, he works in a style that requires deep empathy and attunement with his patients. It is a level of emotional presence that he could not have even understood or imagined when he began his own personal healing journey, which we'll be talking about. Don has clearly walked what he talks. He lived in Salt Lake City with his wife for 30 years, Diane, the co-founder of Path of Connection. They have been teaching together for 25 years, and we are very excited to talk with him. I have read this book, Healing the Wounds of Childhood, and found it very healing for myself, and very and it will be very healing for my clients as well. So we've got we're in for a treat for the day. Don, welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me, Andrea. Well, I'm looking forward to a good talk with you. So. Let's. We just said that you have clearly walked what you talk. So I think first, what we should do is find out about your own personal journey of healing. Would you be willing to share some of that with us today? Uh, I would love to. Uh, you know, I got started almost fifty years ago, actually more, when uh, I decided at twenty years old that I needed help. I one morning, woke up in the back seat of my car, been out drinking all night and and hollering, and I was bleeding from my throat, and it just scared the daylights out of me. And uh, I went to the Yellow Pages the next day and found the psychotherapist uh, who worked on Saturday, and uh, began. And it's been, you know, continues to this day. Uh, fortunately, and I, I don't know, I was blessed to be able to take advantage of every opportunity that presented itself from different types of psychotherapy to somatic work to seminars, workshops, movement classes. And I just kept doing things over, over the years and, and, uh, came uh, across a lot of different uh, insights, obstacles, victories, the, the whole Michigan, so to speak. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's that is the way of life, is it not? It does sort of take yeah, us through. Yeah, it the, is. Yep. Well, in that process, you had a heart attack somewhere in there. Tell me about that. Yeah, that that was approximately eighteen years ago, Andrea, and you know my clients at the time couldn't believe it. They were surprised and said, but you're so healthy and you live such a healthy lifestyle. But the truth was that that heart attack was was totally predictable based on the first, oh, let's say 30 years of my life. And I I mean beginning before birth, uh, that heart attack, given the facts of those years, was predictable. And fortunately, somewhere along the line in my early 30s, I began to alter the trajectory of my life. And that's the reason that I'm I'm still alive today. And my heart itself is 100% normal, which... um, it's rather hard to believe when you realize that I did not see a physician for three months because when I had the heart attack, the pain was in my solar plexus, and I assumed it was a gastrointestinal problem, and I didn't bother go to, going to a cardiologist, and it literally took three months before I went to a cardiologist, and and he was aghast when he looked in there and saw that it looked as if much of my left ventricle wasn't functioning. There was a blood clot in the ventricle. Three vessels were shut down. Fortunately, I was able to have surgery, and three months after the surgery, my heart was completely normal. And he was shocked to discover that because he had diagnosed part of it as being gone dead, infarct. So, yeah, I was very fortunate, and I see those two phenomena, the heart attack being the result of my early childhood, the challenges, the wounds, traumas, coupled with the bad habits that usually ensue from such a childhood. And uh, the second phenomenon, the survival and and healing of my heart muscle itself, uh, a function of the second trajectory where I was attempting to make changes in every area of my life from, you know, the, the physical, nutritional, emotional, psychological, relational. Anything else about that event itself that you'd like to know? No, I think I think that was uh, really very helpful. I, I think what we need to say, though, is that when we talk about adverse childhood experiences, what has been discovered in through research is that there is a connection between adverse childhood experiences and um, and uh, your physical health. So people oh, are yes, beginning to sure. put that together. It's now indisputable. Yeah. Yeah, so so now you understand that the traumas and adverse childhood experiences that you had as a child set you up sort of for that heart attack, and now you're you're doing some things that are have have changed that potentiality. Yeah, absolutely. Right. For sure. Right. So uh, what and I'm you know 
go ahead. What I was going to say was I, I want to say to our listening audience that you're not doomed. If you've had some adverse childhood experiences through trauma or, 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 or being unloved or unwanted by parents um, or, uh, or other significant others, then, you know, that doesn't mean that you're going to have terrible health. It does mean that you could. It is a predictor, but that if you change what you're doing and how you're thinking and, and, and how you're looking at life, uh, through both physical activity as well as mental and intellectual and emotional uh, shifting, then you you can sh- tr- change that trajectory. Yeah, you know, I believe that that message is one of the central messages of my book, yeah. and that is that if I could do it, anyone could do it because. The, the level of trauma that I experienced was severe. The terrible habits that I acquired, smoking, beginning as a teenager, for example, uh, you know, the, those were definitely setting me on that course. But I was able to make the changes, and I'm in my 77th year, and I feel vital and mobile and looking forward to more. Yes, yes, yes. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So let, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the stuff you say in the book. One of the things that I found very interesting was exploring what it is that we really want, even if we don't realize it. What is it that we really want, even if we don't realize it? Well, I, I think we, we really want to feel our reality. And in my opinion, our reality is connectedness, connectedness with life, connectedness with each other, uh, and to feel our profound connectedness to to the fabric of, of life, and simultaneously to feel our autonomy, our freedom, our freedom to choose, our freedom to be our freedom to love. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's, it's a profound want of humanity and often unrecognized, but I, I think that's essentially what we all want. Yeah, that sounds like, to me, that sounds like you're saying that we really just want to be present and be here for our life. We don't want to miss it. Exactly, exactly. To be present, to, to be alive, you know, to, the experience of aliveness. I believe it was Joseph Campbell who once said, you know, it isn't so much the meaning of life that we seek as it's the, the experience of being alive. And I think that's how you put it, being present, being yeah. showing up for it, being here for it. Yeah. You know, yeah, you get to be my age, you begin to recognize that it's finite, it's limited. You know? And you know, moment by moment, there's a preciousness to, to be aware of the moment, to, to show up for it. Yes, I agree. I agree. And I think it's also important at this point to, to, to point out that it, there's, a, there's a way we can be here but not really be here. Um, uh, clinicians call it dissociation 
I call it, I'm also a clinician, but I also call it living out of your body. You're not really living present in your own body. And I think uh, my own personal childhood traumas had me doing that for a while, and I had to figure out how to be here. And uh, I think that's... I think it's so, so much more prevalent, Andrea, than people realize. Uh, It has different manifestations. Uh, You know, for example... PTSD has been getting a lot of press and the extreme association that can go along with post-traumatic stress disorder, but we see it so much in so-called normal behavior where people go through the motions and come across as very functional You know, they get up in the morning and go to work and come home, watch TV, go to bed, but they're not fully alive and feeling present and the immediacy of, of the moment. So congratulations to you for A, recognizing it and, and B, doing something about it. Yeah, and I think that's that's a big part of the work and a big part of what you do every day as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. thank you for the work you do. So, okay, let's 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 move on. Uh, you, what? Why is it that you say that normal is not good enough? Well, normal is a is a statistical concept. You know, we we measure the phenomenon and look at where most people reside. And if we look at where most people reside, what we recognize is that most people are not thriving in an emotional, relational, spiritual, somatic sense. That, you know, I think... I I lay the origins of this in a couple of places. One is in psychology is accepting the medical model as its model for practice. Okay, that we're looking at, okay, what's the disorder and let's fix the disorder. I think that's one. I think the other is the, the kind of dogmatism that has creeped into scientific materialism. And, you know, we want to be scientists as psychologists, and we ignore a whole lot of phenomena that are not easily measurable. That, along with, you know, assuming the medical model that there's this you know, that being disease-free is normal. You know, one, a recent politician, actually she's not a politician, but running for president, and she said, you know, we don't have a health care system in America. What we have is a sick care system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as psychologists, we need to look at what, what's healthy, what's thriving, what promotes people thriving and living as fully and actualizing their their potential and becoming whole and recognizing that every stage of life brings with it 
opportunities for expanding our sense, you know, of who we are and, and what's possible for us. Yes, absolutely. And too I think- often, people kind of rigidify their sense of themselves. And if they do that as they age, things get harder. If they can free up that sense of who they are, as they age, things get better. Yes. At least that's how I've found it so far. Yes, I totally agree. I think people can get into an identity in those early years, and 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 very often, if there's a lot of trauma or adverse childhood experiences, then that then they they develop an identity that matches those experiences, and they stick with that because it seems to be working, and they just stay stuck there. And rigidifying is a good way to to, to talk about that that you can just stay stuck there, and that's why you know our. When a crisis comes along, it is a great opportunity to get unstuck. Exactly. Yeah. That's why in the Chinese character system, uh, the word crisis has two characters. One means danger and the other means opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think these are opportunities to to get to that thing of thriving. So how would you describe thriving? We just got a few minutes before the break, but let's talk about that. What does it mean to thrive? Well, I think it means to not infrequently have the experience of feeling loved, having felt love moments, uh, feeling, having a sense that what you're doing is a contribution and that it's fitting to who you are, um, enjoying life, growing, finding yes, challenges as opportunities. Right. Um, yeah, like that. Yes, those are all good descriptors of a thriving life. Yeah, so, you know, what we really want to do is get to a place where that's happening, not where we're just drudging through. And we're going to talk about this some more right after the break. Stay here for more from Dr. John, Don St. John. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's quite common for people to wonder whether happiness is real 
or just an illusion. Yet we all have an inner voice that is telling us that we need to change. Where to begin? Start by taking time out of your schedule every week for Revelations and Wonders, Secrets to Life and Happiness, with host Fabian Edju. There is a true beauty within your soul, and happiness flows from inside. We'll help you find that new confidence within. Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. Speak up to Lead Up as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your host, Pauline Biggs, speaks with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Dr. Don St. John about his wonderful book called Healing the Wounds of Childhood. One of the most important topics that we can have because these wounds of childhood seem to go with us through our adult into our adulthood and can really keep us from getting a life that's meaningful to us. And so we really need to work on healing those things. And it's it's a very very important topic. So we're back talking to doc, Dr. Uh, Don St. John about that. Um, so, uh, Don, I want to ask you, what are the three insights that shook your intellectual roots? That's one of the things you talk about in the book that I thought was so profound. Okay. Uh, the first one, all of us have suffered, whether we know it or not, and all of us have ample room to grow. And, Andrea, the reason that that was so important to me is that it helped to alleviate the deep shame, the deep sense of being defective, being inadequate, never being good enough. Uh, Until then, I held it, you know, as just part of my character, my constitution, and there's, you know, the, the difference between my childhood and everybody else's was was so vast that I just felt isolated and deeply ashamed. And recognizing that we all suffer to some degree or other just helped me relieve that sense of being alone with this dark sense of deficiency. And I it's hard to tell you how much it helped, you know, look over at someone who appeared healthy and someone who apparently didn't suffer very much. I realized, no, they did to some extent, you know, 
as one teacher put it, we're all bozos on the same bus, you know, trying to make sense of life, understand their challenges. Uh, it just gave me a, a much greater sense of being among others rather than alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important. The second, excuse me? I said I think that's so important. Yeah, it was very important. The, the second insight, and this occurred somewhere near the end of my years in graduate school at the University of Kansas, and that is that our whole organism is affected by those wounds. That to imagine that they're simply psychological, mental, or even emotional gives us too narrow a lens at which, through which to see them. They affect our entire organism from the very fluids of our body to the structure, movement, tissues, our emotions, our belief systems, our thinking processes, our relationships, and our spirituality. All of it is affected. Yes. And from there comes the third insight, which was that physical health, mental health, and relationship quality are all very much related to each other. And, and so to heal as much as possible, we need a holistic perspective. We need to address all of us as a living, breathing, feeling, thinking, moving, relating organism and not compartmentalized as the field has have done. The the psychology department is on the other side of the campus from the physical therapy department. That's metaphorically speaking. And and literally speaking as well, but it's that compartmentalization that prevents us from fully delving into the the empirical question of how exactly are all these areas affected. It's not whether or not, it's how exactly and what are our best interventions. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so those those three insights together just kind of do lead you back to that whole idea that our, we need to look at it from a holistic perspective. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and also we all can benefit, you know, even if we've had fairly benign, pleasant childhoods, we can all benefit from looking at how can we improve as whole organisms? Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. So let's talk about childhood a little bit. What do children really need as they're going through gestation and on through childhood? What do they really need? Well, gestation as wholesome as possible and, you know, um, that includes the 
we do know, for example, that, that smoking and alcohol can be deleterious to the gestating fetus. Uh, but also the emotional environment of the parents, the well-being of the parents, the stress levels, the, the positive anticipation of birth versus a negative anticipation of birth, all, all those things provide a wholesome environment for the fetus. Uh, and hopefully the birth itself is non-traumatic because... A, a traumatic birth can set a negative template. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of therapists who place a big emphasis on the importance of birth and trauma or non-trauma. Uh, I think it sets a template that subsequent experiences can either pretty much override or conversely can reinforce uh, then in childhood, the thing that, that I think is important that's not well known is children need someone to be emotionally present with them and someone who can attune to their experiences. And, and by attuning, it's, it's a special kind of listening where someone is listening not just to the words of a child, but also to the feeling tone, the energy, the vibration, and reflect that back in the listening. So the experience for the child is that, one, somebody is really there with them. Two, their experience matters. And that's when it's not there, and adults who have not had an adequate supply of that type of experience, they live with that as a belief that their experience really doesn't matter, best kept to themselves, right? Or, Mm -hmm. Or that no one can really be there for them. And there's often a lot of pain associated with that, so much so then that if someone attempts to meet them and be there, uh, they can have a hard time with it. I talk Mm -hmm. in my book about the challenge of letting oneself feel loved. And it's counterintuitive. Everyone wants to be loved. But we all have a limit to how much we can take in. So to get a sense of that, you can imagine someone just looking into your eyes, really sincere, and really feeling a lot of affection for you and appreciation and verbalizing that affection, that appreciation, while maintaining eye contact with you. And, you know... One can notice if that's an experience that they would look forward to or if it would be kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think not being, not being, having anyone present can make you feel like you have to survive by yourself and you have to, you, you, if you don't survive by yourself, that, that you're going to be anxious because maybe somebody's going to interfere with your survival in some kind of way. Absolutely, exactly. Yep. 
You know, I think what we're talking about really are the roots of most society's problems, whether we're talking about the polarization and the political spectrum, whether we're talking about gun violence, you know, the roots go back to these early experiences. And I can say a little bit more about that if you'd like. Yeah, go ahead. Well, as we fully mature, and I don't mean just chronologically, but emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, what's required on a physiological level is for a part of our prefrontal cortex to develop a good part of its capacity. I can't quantify this, so I'm using phrases like a good part of its capacity. And, and the nutrition that that part of the prefrontal cortex needs in order to develop this capacity is a tuned connection. Somebody being there, somebody being emotionally present. Without that, if that doesn't develop, it's like, you know, the analogy I used is like there's no chief executive officer in the corporation. And, you know, the, the vice president's are running around without any supervision. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we become much more susceptible to fight flight when we don't have a well-developed prefrontal cortex. Right. It's that part of the brain that can look and say, wait a minute, that's not a tiger. You know, somebody just looked at your cross-eyed. It's not a big deal. You know, let it go Mm -hmm. versus immediately going into, what's your problem, buddy? You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. fight-flight reaction. Uh, So, you know, you can extrapolate this all the way to how society functions. And you can see we're not doing all that well right now. Mm -hmm. But I think at the same time, there's... There's cause for optimism because, you know, the things that I'm talking about 20 years ago, even 15 years ago, were not all that well known. This knowledge of what children need is is just beginning to seep into the culture. Now, you know, there are all kinds of overreactions, of course, but that children need emotional presence, connection, attunement. Yes, they also need structure. They also need discipline, for sure. Mm-hmm. But the knowledge is new, and it'll take time, but it's cause for hope. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yes, children are, are, are some children are now being mirrored and heard and attended to in ways that they just weren't prior to this time in our history. Ever, right, right. Yes, yes. 
Yeah, so I want to, when we come back, I want to tell the listening audience after the break that we're going to talk about how we can increase our ability to receive and absorb love because I think that's primary to what we're talking about. We want to, we want to understand that before we leave today. Um, but, you know, you've talked about the, the physicality and, and, the, and the emotionality. Talk about a limiting beliefs just for a minute. We just have a couple minutes before the break. But uh, how do we get our limiting beliefs? How do we recognize them? How do, you, how do we get them? How do we get them? Yes. Uh, meaning, how do their origin? Yes. Ah, yes, sure. Definitely from our experiences. You know, yes. we have experiences, and for example, we could formulate one of those deep limiting beliefs before we know how to speak. If, for let me give you an example, if a child's needs are consistently not well met, the child will conclude okay, that its needs aren't going to be well met. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that becomes, you know, I, I like sometimes to use the phrase operating principle because when we use the word belief, it tends to sound a little superficial, like you believe in Santa Claus, doesn't exist, mm-hmm. okay, now I don't believe anymore. They operate at a much, much deeper level, like an operating principle in the system. My needs don't matter, therefore, and then there are many conclusions to that word, therefore. You know, therefore, never express them, for example. Right. Never ask for anything that I need or want, for example. And we'll go through life acting that way, never realizing that that may have been set by the time we were two years old. Okay. Right. Absolutely. And that, that, that we just don't realize that that or, origin happens before we even can remember it happening. And so that's, that's mm-hmm. why I think it's important for us to explore our beliefs. And one of the benefits of therapy is being able to explore your own belief system and, and look at that. Okay, well, we're going to come back after this break and talk some more to Dr. Don St. John about his book, Healing the Wounds of Childhood. So you don't want to miss that. We're going to be talking about how you heal in this section So um, stay tuned for more. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listen for Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit, hosted by Dr. Dory Lynn. Dr. Dory is coming back, sexy, savvy, and with sage advice from nearly eight decades of life experience. It's not retirement, it's refirement. It's fun, it's deep. Listening just makes you feel good. If you're looking for straight talk without all the bull in the world, be sure to tune in to Dr. Dory and Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. Live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Make an appointment listening right now. 
As we age, there are certain situations which we all must face. Care and treatment don't always measure up to what it's supposed to be, and there are many questions that need to be answered. Tune in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with hosts Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a more fulfilling life, and we'll bring you the answers that you need to hear to make it happen. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Life-changing events can have positive and or negative repercussions. When they happen, they can feel elating or devastating to those affected. It can also get in the way of your personal and professional life. On Life-Altering Events with host Frank Zakari, we examine the scope of these events and discuss how to move forward in the wake of the opportunities presented. It's never too late to get started or pick up the pieces and move forward. Listen Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. All right, we've been talking today to Dr. Don St. John about his wonderful book called Healing the Wounds of Childhood. You can get it at Amazon.com or any other of your local uh, uh, internet outlets or brick-and-mortar outlets. And uh, I really encourage you to get this book and read it. It is well worth the read. Uh, So we want to talk a little bit more about the solution now. We've been talking about the problem for a while. We want to talk about the solution how do we in how what are the ways that we can begin to increase our ability to receive and absorb love? One of the most important aspects of what you're talking about. Yeah. And along with that is just expanding ourselves in general, growing, becoming more of who we truly are. I think it all goes together and you know, being able to receive love, being able to love is a great measure of everything else that I just mentioned. I I think the uh, very first requirement, Andrea, is to want to. Mm. You know, if a person says, okay, I'm kind of stuck in my routine or things are pretty good, but I know there's more, the first thing is I'm going for it. And the resources that are available are immeasurable. I'm beginning with books, that's an easy place to start. A good psychotherapy that isn't solely focused on uh, resolving a single disorder of one kind or another, but but pursues what our limiting beliefs are, our relationship capacities. Uh, There are many, many practices. Meditation is one that is becoming more popular than ever. Uh, Recognizing that 
We are whole organisms. How how vital do we feel in our in our bodies? How uh, how much armor that that phrase uh, body armor's been around for over a hundred years, and it has some merit, you know, to to sense into our physical structure. Does it have a sense of vitality, grace, ease, or is it locked up? And if it is, begin to pursue, you know, one can Google the word somatic and begin the research there. And, you know, that can be something as simple as yoga and as popular as yoga, but there's so much more. Um, Feldenkrais, for example, uh, the work of Ida Rolf, for example, uh, the work of Emily Conrad. There's so much that's out there to help us in this in this direction. We can also, you know, engage practices like, you know, learn learning to let go of frustration and irritations as quickly and as gracefully as possible. You know, one of my chapters at the moment, I can look it up real quickly uh, and mention some of those practices like learning to speak from our heart. That's huge. And it's really funny. I was in a training once back in 1970-something and we were instructed to stand up and speak from our heart. I didn't have any idea what they were talking about. No. Mm-hmm. You know? To, yes. To be able to just speak without my persona or defensiveness and just say, you know, this is how it is for me. And touch people. I didn't have any idea what that was. And I was giving a, a talk some months ago to about 125 people, and I was talking about vulnerability. And all of a sudden, I was in that vibration. I mean, I was tearing up, and I could feel the listeners responding to that. And I thought to myself, my God, back in the 70s, I didn't know what it meant, much less be able to. So, you know, learn what that means. Take risks with people who are really close to you and and learn to speak, you know, directly from the heart. Learn to listen to a tune you know, to detect ruptures. This is a big one. To detect ruptures in important relationships and repair them. You know? Yes. Um, learn to release frustration and irritation, disappointments gracefully as we can. Learn to self-soothe. You that know, one's a real important one. Excuse me? I said that's a real important one. Self-soothing is that's really a real important. That's a real important one. Yeah. Learning to self-soothe. 
And again, to the degree that we did not receive much of it, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard because yeah. you know, it should have been internalized in infancy. And if it wasn't, then we have to take it on as an adult. Yeah, and I, I encourage my clients to experiment with it. Just try this and see if it works. And if that doesn't work to soothe you, try something else. And then take a Saturday yeah. and spend the day trying different things. Mm, great. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, so all of that works together. So what, what you're basically saying is you're going to begin a journey. And the journey is going to be all about getting in touch with the deeper aspects of yourself and being able to then express those and, and, and take the risk to relate those to other people and take the risk to be present for love and take the risk to be present for your, with yourself in whatever you're, you're going through. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things I'd love to say about the journey is I, I don't know if there's anything more of an adventure. It's really an adventure yep. in the following yep. sense. One, there are lots of unknowns, and you will encounter things that you didn't previously know. Uh, there are many challenges and obstacles and moments of elation and, you know, ecstasy and all the elements of a great adventure. So if you like adventure, boy, the journey of self-discovery is a fantastic one. Yes, yes, indeed. And in that same vein, how can we begin to deal more effectively with the stress? You've talked about the elation, but there's also times during the journey when that we're going to be stressed and we're going to be afraid. And, you know, that's also a part of the adventure. So what, how do we deal more effectively with stress? Well, I, I think we've already answered that. You know, when we talked about, for example, learning to self-soothe. Uh, learning to let go of frustration, learning to stay connected. I think one of the one of the primary antidotes to to stress is connection. Mm-hmm. You know, if uh, if we if we're able to to reveal our distress those moments when we feel like we didn't accomplish what we set out to accomplish in a day or we're frustrated or disappointed, if we're able to share that, again, share it from the heart to a loved one or even a therapist, that is a major, major contribution to effective stress management. Uh, if we can learn to appreciate the space between the notes, because in our day and age, too many of us live from one line on the to-do list to the next, to the next, to the next, without pausing, without taking a moment to just appreciate the silence, uh, appreciate the view out the window, uh, take a nice walk, something to allow the nervous system 
to equilibrate. Yes, indeed. So, you know, all these practices that I've talked about and that are in my book about pra- literally practicing letting go, practicing self-soothing, okay? practicing taking moments for ourselves, all of these work to develop our resiliency. Yes. You know, to become more resilient is is the answer to stress and distress in particular. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I think we need to talk a little bit about what you mean when you say letting go, because a lot of times when people think they're letting go, they're really just repressing emotion. They're really trying to pretend it's not real. So when you talk about letting go, can you give us an example of what you mean by that? We just have a few minutes before the break, but we want to I want to be sure we understand that. Well, all right, I'll I'll give you one that's that's banal, but uh my wife does something that I would have done differently. I don't like the way she did it. I get a little annoyed. Okay. Now, I can feed that annoyance with more thoughts or I can let it go. You know, I, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm not repressing it. It's there. I see it. I feel it. But I don't give it any more food. I don't add words that, that increase that annoyance. I don't even have to express it to her if it's inconsequential. Okay? Mm-hmm. If it's something that I can just, okay, that's how she does it. I do it differently. End the story. Uh, but what, what you're re- referencing is it's an important distinction because if we repress it, it remains in the body. Mm-hmm. Okay? The, the tissues get tighter. There's a certain contraction around the heart. And it's important that we attend to ourselves and take the time to identify what's really going on. Because if that feeling is still there, I haven't let it go. Yeah. Okay? If that feeling hasn't been replaced by a lighter, freer, more peaceful or more loving feeling, I haven't let it go. It's still there. Okay. So yes. it, it's critical because, you know, we can develop a style of pretending that we let things go, but they're there, we accumulate, accumulate them, and, and then it just affects our sense of well-being. Right. You know, we walk around without that little bit of joy that's possible. When we've really let go of the hurts, let go of the pains, let go of the disappointments. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, what you're saying there is that that there is a process of letting go that's genuine, that really does reach down to your emotions, and it's not something that that you just do with your head and push an emotion away, and, and you can actually feel the difference once you've really let go. And uh, I think that process is important. And you explain more about that in the book. So, again, I would encourage people to get the book and and read it. 
All right, that's our show today with Dr. Don St. John. Please go get his book, Healing the Wounds of Childhood. And we're going to be back again next week with more. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to birth yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.